BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio, this is special coverage of the coronavirus outbreak. I'm Scott Schaefer. And I'm Marisa Lagos. It has been a chaotic and unprecedented 72 hours in California and really across the nation. Earlier today, health directors throughout the San Francisco Bay Area ordered residents to shelter in place in response to the coronavirus, with all but essential services and activities being banned. That's effective midnight tonight until April 7th, although it could be amended. It's really a stunning turn of events, unlike anything we've seen in our lifetimes, really, in terms of its breadth. And it's rippling throughout the economy, our health care system, government, and, of course, our politics, too. So in this half hour, we're going to look at some of those ramifications for our region. Earlier today, San Francisco Mayor London Breed stood with the county health director and others to announce that order to shelter in, in place. And Mayor Breed joins us now. Mayor, thank you so much for joining us on what I can only imagine has been a very hectic, difficult day. Uh, definitely. Major challenge. Tell us how this order issued by San Francisco and five other counties today came about. Well, as you know, um, we have been on top of this issue and working with not only the uh, county health officers in the region here, but also staying on top of this issue nationally and internationally to understand what we can anticipate as it relates to the impacts on San Francisco. And in every single instance, every decision that I made as mayor had everything to do with the information that I received from these public health experts uh, using data and also um, with the understanding of what's happening in other countries throughout the world. And in fact, they have been uh, constantly in conversations, looking at the data, looking at the cases, and, and part of every directive that I've issued um, came out of information provided to me from public health experts. Uh, so the conversations that they have had generated uh, the response that you're seeing here today, and that is to uh, shelter in place um, and to make sure that people, of course, have access to uh, the essential things that they need, like food and gas and other things, but more importantly, we want to keep people away from one another to prevent the spread. Mayor Breed, I'm curious if there was a tipping point, and if so, is there something specific that you guys are really hoping to accomplish with, as Scott put it earlier, this really unprecedented move? Well, I would say that it's it's not necessarily about a tipping point. The, the thing is, we're looking at the data, we're looking at the number of cases, we're looking at the test kits we have, we're looking at the protective gear, and our biggest concern, and I think the concern of our healthcare experts, um, is that the system could be overwhelmed. 
and the lack of resources and support that we're getting at this time, unfortunately, from the federal administration through the CDC has been very challenging. And so it's not necessarily just about money. It's about access to what it is that we need in order to combat this issue. And what we don't want to do is overwhelm our healthcare system. Um, And I think that people are not understanding the fact that um, there are people right now, as we speak, uh, numerous people who we are not able to test because our limitations around our tests that are walking around with this virus, uh, that are asymptomatic, and that may be spreading it. And this is why this order is important, because we don't want to all of a sudden see what happened in Italy um, for it to start at a particular point, And then all of a sudden it skyrockets and, and, and significant numbers of people are not only diagnosed and going to the hospitals, but also uh, dying as a result of the coronavirus. And so we are trying to, you know, stop this as soon as we possibly can. And I get that people think this is unprecedented, but it is necessary for uh, the protection of public health. There are, uh, of course, besides the shelter-in-place order, there are a lot of, I don't know if you would call them exceptions, but you're looking to give people permission to go out if they are performing essential uh, activities, uh, if they need to go do something to take care of someone, if they're performing government services. How do you want people to think about whether or not what they feel they need to do is, in fact, essential? Well, I I think it's important that people just be considerate and use common sense. Because, for example, if you need food and and you need to also help take care of a neighbor or pick up medications for a neighbor or what have you, um, then yes, that makes sense. Um, But just be mindful that whether, you, you know, you could be potentially walking around with this virus and your interactions with other people can have an impact on public health. So it's really about being considerate uh, and sheltering in place as we go through this process. Um, there are various options that you have. You can go outside. You can walk uh, your dog. You can uh, do various things out in the public that don't necessarily compromise public health. But it's really about being considerate. Ultimately, we need to make sure we take care of ourselves. We take care of our families. We take care of our neighbors. And it requires a sacrifice and thinking differently about how we engage with the public. You know, Mayor Beard, I've actually been pretty impressed by how people are pulling together in this time. But you did note um, there are people who are still questioning this. Can you talk about enforcement? I know that the city has the power of, of misdemeanor law here, but it doesn't sound like that is what the police chief or you want to see happen uh, in terms of well, enforcing this. We definitely don't want to do that. The goal is to expressed through not only my declaration of emergency, but also uh, this shelter-in-place order, that this is important. I mean, this is one of the last things that anyone as a mayor ever wants to do to the public. Um, This is definitely extreme, which demonstrates the severity of the issue that we're facing. So we are hopeful that people will understand that and comply. Um, But we also need to Um, number one, educate people and make sure that for those people who aren't watching the news or who may not have access to social media or what have you, that we are considerate, right? And that if we see a situation where they are not in compliance, that we're able to communicate to them what they need to do so that they can then be in compliance. So we are not here 
to assume that everyone knows what to do. We're here to help educate the public on, you know, what is going on and how they can apply, comply and how we can all be safe. Um, and that definitely takes time. Uh, but we also have the ability, if necessary, um, to legally enforce this. But our goal is not to do that. Our goal is to try and band together as a community to keep one another safe. Mayor Breed, I was working for the city in 1989 when the Loma Prieta earthquake happened. And I remember, as Marisa suggested, people really pulled together. Uh, I I remember the electricity was out. There were no traffic lights. People were so, uh, you know, polite. But after about three days, people's patience really wore out. And I'm wondering, how are you thinking about this is this order goes until April 7th? I realize it could be amended. But how are you thinking about maintaining, you know, the resolve of the public to stick with this? It's definitely going to be difficult and it does require a sacrifice. And I think that it's important for people to, of course, you know, support one another, look out for one another, but just think about it. I mean, just imagine if you are, um, you know, you have children and you leave your children with your mom and your mom all of a sudden has the virus as a result of transmission and, you know, the harm that you can cause to an elderly parent or any, an elderly neighbor or what have you. And I think people have to remember as much as it doesn't seem that this is maybe connected to you, this is connected to all of us. And it could have a, you know, life or death uh, impact on people that you care about. And what that means is, unfortunately, as much as we are not comfortable with sitting still for a minute and staying in the house and, 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 and doing the kinds of things that, you know, are, you know, probably going to drive us all crazy, it's necessary for public health. And we are just going to have to sacrifice this time in order to make sure that we protect everyone in the city. And you have said, Mayor Breed, that we can we can go for walks and exercise as long as we <laughs> maintain that social distancing. Um, one final question before we let you go back to your work. I know that city workers are considered essential employees in many cases. I've seen pretty conflicting um, advice from what the Department of Human Resources sent out to employees telling them they should still come to work if there's secondary exposure, um, that other city employees don't need to be informed if a co-worker tests positive. And then I saw you send out a separate note to the workforce today. So for people who aren't police and firefighters and, and street sweepers, I mean, what is the advice to city workers right now? Because it seems to be a little contradictory. I, I think, I think um, that because the fact is there are various city departments that serve different functions. So the people who are in our uh, Department of Public Health our police officers, our firefighters, um, our uh, uh, MTA and and other systems that are essential functions, it will be not only necessary for the people who are on the front lines, but there's also the folks who are processing all the the paperwork and the data and the information that could potentially be necessary. Ultimately, we want to be clear. We don't want anyone to come to work if they're sick or they, of course, need to care for you know, a sick parent or a child or they have child care challenges or what have you. But it's not just about those particular departments. Uh, people know that as city employees, they are uh, disaster service workers uh, and expected to be a part of helping to address this scenario. But if there is a situation where, based on information you receive from your supervisor, where there is maybe not a need for you to come to work, 
Um, we want to do everything we can to make sure that the option to telecommute or the option to um, basically not come to work at all, um, if that is possible where you don't serve essential service, you know, we want anyone to take advantage of that option. But it is not a, you know, blanket situation where this department comes and this department comes. It's really about communication with your supervisors to understand the roles that you can play. Because even if you may not need to be present at your office where you work, there could be an opportunity for you to work in the emergency operations center where you would serve as a disaster service worker that could provide support so that we can make sure that we deal with this appropriately. All right. San Francisco Mayor London Breed, thank you so much for joining us on a very, very busy day. Good luck to you and everyone dealing with thank this. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll continue our live coverage of the coronavirus outbreak in the Bay Area. You're listening to KQED Public Radio. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hi there, I'm Randa Abdel-Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. And welcome back to KQED's live special coverage of the coronavirus outbreak. I'm Scott Schaefer, along with Marisa Lagos. And joining us now, Joe Simidian, president of the Santa Clara County Board of Supervisors. He's also chair of the county's health and hospital committee. Supervisor Simidian, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Scott. And just to uh, be clear, I gave up my president's gavel just a couple of months ago, but I do still chair the Health and Hospital Committee. Happy to be with you. All right. Thank you so much for that correction. Also joining us, Jim Wonderman, president and CEO of the Bay Area Council. Jim Wonderman, good evening to you, too. Thanks as well. Supervisor uh, Simidian, uh, we heard late this afternoon, uh, we learned of two more deaths uh, from coronavirus, both adult men in Santa Clara County, one uh, in his 80s, the other in his 50s. That brings the total in your county to four. Um, your county has really been a hotspot for coronavirus, and I'm wondering if the county considered going even further or maybe faster than the other five counties in terms of what they did today. Well, I think um, we've been sort of pushing the envelope uh, from the very beginning of the crisis or as the crisis emerged. Uh, one of the challenges, and I think it's important that both public officials and public health officials keep uh, making this point, one of the challenges is that we get new information every day. The circumstances change every day, sometimes literally hour to hour. And so I think it's helpful and important when we're talking with our constituents that we um, begin almost every conversation by saying, look, this is the novel coronavirus. This is a new virus. We're going to learn more with every passing day, and the circumstances are going to change. And that means we're going to have to change the best advice available on a daily basis, if not even more frequently. You know, it was just last Tuesday, our public health officer 
uh, reporting to our board of supervisors, said, you know, don't think we should be recommending school closures. Well, three days later, the decision was made by the county superintendent of schools and the 30-plus school superintendents to close the schools. They had new information, circumstances changed, and I think people can understand and respond to the changing information and direction if they realize it's because we're learning more with every day and the circumstances are changing every day. But that's going to keep happening, Scott and Marisa. And so I hope as you communicate with your listeners, you'll say, hey, new information, new circumstances, that means we have to adjust accordingly. Yeah, we're trying to keep up with it all as well, yeah. Supervisor. Um, I know I know you from your time up in Sacramento. Um, obviously, we've seen a pretty robust response from this governor, but I'm curious what you're looking for in terms of state support that either has been given or is, or you would still like to see um, the legislature and the governor do to support the local officials. Well, you, you asked about state, but let me just first uh, say on a federal level, Marisa, I, yeah. I think when you know, we can put this uh, challenge behind us, uh, there, there's going to be, there certainly needs to be a really thorough discussion about where were the test kits, because the way you slow the virus is by people isolating themselves. The way you persuade people to isolate themselves is by being able to tell them you have the virus and you need to isolate yourself. Absent the test kits, that couldn't be done, wasn't done. So lots of folks, as the mayor mentioned, who had the virus are out and about. And now we're stuck with this more draconian approach uh, because the cases are multiplying. And we've got to say to everyone, we don't know if you're carrying the virus, but we need to err on the side of caution. So isolate uh, yourself in your home, shelter in place. Uh, At the state level, uh, you know, some of this is clearly health care help. Some of it is... Um, a little more bureaucratic than that. I think you will recall just uh, four days ago now, the governor issued an executive order that is designed to help government keep doing all of its work uh, in a way that is consistent with the challenges of an emergency. Can we, how do we keep social distance and uh, honor the the obligation to uh, stay apart from one another while we're supposed to be holding public meetings and doing the public's business. Well, we now have some tools that allow us to do that in terms of some fairly simple things like teleconferencing, but they literally weren't allowed until uh, just a matter of a few days ago. Jim Wonderman, uh, as somebody who works with the business community in the Bay Area, what are you hearing in terms of uh, you know, their concerns as these closures take effect and people are uh, off the streets and in their homes? Well, first, let me say, you know, we're, I think, as, as a community, pleased with the political leadership uh, expressed today by, by our mayor of San Francisco and, and Supervisor Simidian and his colleagues around the Bay Area in the six counties. It's good, it, you know, this Bay Area Council, we like to see the region acting in unison. Uh, that's kind of mission accomplished. It's really important it's done that way because people move from county to county. So the fact that they work together is really important. So we're we're generally hearing very, very favorable uh, comments and willingness to be compliant, to be helpful, to come up with ideas, to share resources, uh, you know, so that we can get ahead of this, because this is just, it's all in our our common interest. I, you know, based on the question of uh, Mayor Breed, I don't know what people will feel like in three days or a week. But for starters, uh, you know, given the magnitude of what's being asked, you know, so far, uh, you know, I think it's it's positive. I think businesses are very worried, and rightfully so, about the length of time that this is going to go on and the potential 
economic impacts and business uh, macro and microeconomic impacts uh, that this can have because you know it's not very easy to shut down a business and it can be harder to get one going again and you know if this goes a couple of months down the road you know loss of employees uh loss of uh, financial support you know just the ability to create the business continuity to to continue but you know bankruptcies things like that could have a really devastating impact on the longer term economy i know everybody's worried about that so i think it's incumbent upon government at every level to attend to that and make sure that the businesses and their employees who are being impacted by this are being served uh, to the greatest extent possible, uh, you know, to, to, to minimize the blow and make sure that we're ready to rebound. Jim, we've been hearing a lot at the federal level about uh, this debate over, you know, sick time and when to require it and when the government should step in. Um, we have, I think, a lot far more generous policies here in California and different counties. Can you just talk about what you're hearing from employers about how they're trying to grapple with this at a time when, to your point, the, their revenue streams are so uncertain? What kind of help are they asking for? What are they looking for? Well, one of the things I, I got a lot of calls today for businesses wanting to know whether they were exempt or not. And so there is a, a, a list, but it, it could be considered a little vague in spots. You know, I, I overheard conversations with folks calling somebody asking, are we exempt or not? So I, I think it could be helpful just for maybe to have some kind of a hotline where businesses could call and ask that question if it comes up uh, so that they don't have to speculate about it. I, I think that, you know, there's no one size fits all to this. And businesses have their own cultures. They have their own financial positions. Bigger businesses are probably in a better position to weather through this than smaller ones. You really have to worry about the smaller businesses, you know, who are being completely shut down and, you know, total loss of revenue. Uh, employees will many employees will go somewhere else. And, I, and I, again, I think it's it's very, very important to attend to those. And, you know, one of, the, one of the possibilities would be to have, you know, the, the Federal Reserve has programs to lend to financial institutions in times like this. There's also a program that would enable them to lend directly to businesses. And this seems like, you know, something that we should pursue so that companies could get help immediately to see through these times, not necessarily have to lay people off be able to fulfill uh, sick pay, uh, paid leave requirements, and so forth. So it, unfortunately, there's no one-size-fits-all for this. Uh, California does have a, a much more prog progressive approach to this than the rest of the country, you know, which may hang up uh, some of the efforts in Washington, D.C. to come up with, with a package uh, hopefully they'll be able to do it. They need to do it. Supervisor Samidian, we heard Governor Newsom yesterday say that the state was going to prioritize the most vulnerable, including, of course, uh, seniors and the homeless. And I'm wondering, what are you hearing from your constituents who are living paycheck to paycheck or perhaps even living on the streets? What are you hearing? Well, what, one of the things, uh, to, first, to just uh, go back to some of the questions or issues that uh, Jim was raising, I do think, you know, it's, it's tough, frankly, uh, if you don't actually see the entire seven-page public health order that the six counties have issued uh, to know whether you are an essential business or not, whether your activities are deemed essential activities or not. I would just encourage your listeners, if they um, really, you know, need the detail, and many of them will, uh, go ahead and just, you know, go online, Google uh, your county name, whether it's Alameda or Contra Costa or Marin or San Francisco or uh, San Mateo, Santa Clara County. Uh, Google your county name, uh, coronavirus and public health. 
And um, I'm, you know, sure that in every one of those counties, uh, the public health order will come up. And there are literally three or four pages defining what's a, um, an essential business, what's an essential activity. And, you know, some of them are obvious, but some of them are not. Uh, you may be surprised to know that a hardware store is deemed an essential business. Not that surprising when you stop and think about it. Uh, by the same token, uh, not surprising that uh, obviously healthcare providers are deemed essential, uh, but your gym or health club is not. So, uh, you know, the list is um, long and specific, and the information is there online for folks who uh, need access to it and, and need access to it right now. What I am hearing from folks is um, we're starting to get more and more questions from the larger community about. Uh, financial impact because people are beginning to understand what the impact can be. Um, and as Jim alluded, uh, you know, it's not just big businesses or even small businesses. It's individual folks who, uh, you know, won't view this as uh, or won't have the benefit of this being a couple of weeks off with pay. They'll they'll view it as a lost paycheck with severe and immediate financial consequences. And so one of the things we're already taking calls on and pulling together information about is, you know, how do you respond? What is available? Uh, for some folks who have never confronted anything like this, because it is unprecedented, um, it, you literally have to say something as simple and basic as, you know, you're entitled to apply for unemployment. And they, they, that takes a moment for someone who's never been in the system before to sort of say, oh, yeah, of course. Um, it, yes, we have, as you know, uh, thousands, way too many folks who are homeless and uh, hard for them to shelter in place when there is no shelter. Uh, that being said, as we manage our uh, shelter system in Santa Clara County, and I'm sure the other counties have the same challenges, then we need to make sure that we're operating those shelters in a way that doesn't feed the contagion of the virus that, in fact, uh, further limits it. So these are public health challenges we're confronting already, and, um, you know, they're going to be with us for a while. Uh, I do think, you know, helpful and important for people to understand, and the mayor only alluded to this, look, there's a finite number of hospital beds in the Bay Area. There's a finite number of intensive care units. There's a finite number of healthcare professionals, doctors and nurses, and if the virus overwhelms the system, that's going to have extraordinarily harsh consequences uh, and mean not just serious health care consequences, but loss of life. So the time is now to flatten that curve, to stop the multiplying. And that's why you're seeing such a significant expectation uh, of all of us uh, who have now been told shelter in place. You've got to flatten that curve to make sure we don't overwhelm our hospitals, the hospital beds, and the healthcare professionals. All right. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to leave it right there. Santa Clara County Supervisor Joe Simidian and Jim Wonderman, President and CEO of the Bay Area Council. Gentlemen, thank you both so much. Good luck. Thank you, Marissa. Thank you, Scott. Thanks, thank guys. Um, and now we're going to bring in Amanda Freed. She is normally Chief of Policy and Communications for the San Francisco Treasurer's Office, but she and her family decided to take a sabbatical this year. They were in Italy until last Friday when they came back. Um, they are now self-quarantining in Los Angeles, um, and they had been on lockdowns for two weeks before coming back to the country. Amanda, thank you for taking a few minutes away from your quarantine. Oh, thanks for having me. I, I have a little bit of time on my hands. <laughs> I bet. So I'm curious, you know, you have you you work in city government. You were in Italy as this thing unfolded. We were in communication the whole time. Um, what are you seeing now when that you're back in the States, uh, both in terms of what we're doing right here and what lessons you learned from Italy that you think, you know, that maybe the state or locals need to go further? 
Sure. So, I mean, I was just looking back at some of the timelines and, you know, two weeks ago, I was still pretty happy-go-lucky. Yeah, there's this virus, there's these cases, like, we're, we're not worried, don't worry about it. Um, and things escalated so quickly. Um, just last week, I was, you know, kind of engaging with a lot of former colleagues um, in San Francisco, trying to implore them to stop just talking about the impact to local businesses, but really start to think about this as life and death. Because last week was, you know, every every San Francisco luminary going to their favorite Chinatown restaurant and telling people to come join them. Um, and, you know, I think we've seen very quickly that businesses are going to be decimated, and that's that's terrifying. But we have to deal with that after we secure everyone's health. Um, and, you know, I, I'm so proud to be a San Franciscan right now to see, you know, the mayor's courage in taking this action today. I think people are shocked and stunned and scared. Um, and that's exactly where, where you need to be. Um, you know, I think if you're not scared today, you're really not paying attention. Amanda, really quick, we have about uh, maybe 35, 40 seconds left. What advice do you have for somebody who may soon find themselves in quarantine? Uh, just take it one day at a time. I think not knowing the length of time this is going to last is, is the hardest it has been for us. Um, so, you know, take it easy on yourself and try to maintain as much virtual contact with the outside world as you possibly can. All right. Amanda Freed, we hope to see you back in San Francisco healthy and safe soon. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. And thanks to you for listening to this KQED special coverage of today's developments in the coronavirus pandemic. Our producer is Guy Marzarati. Our engineer is Rob Spate. And our leadership team includes Holly Kernan, Ethan Lindsay, Vinnie Tong, Jonathan Blakely, and Julie Kane. I'm Marisa Lagos. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at M. Lagos. And I'm Scott Schaefer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Scott Schaefer. And from all of us here at KQED, good night and stay well. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.